morning, Charged Up Studio listeners. Welcome back to another episode where you get charged up for success. I'm Dana Olivo, your host and CEO of Marketatomy LLC. So today we're going back to basics, uh, to sales 101, or in the case of our very special guest, top of funnel. The term top of funnel, for those unfamiliar with it, is the starting point for customer acquisition, the attraction phase. Now, I know you're all thinking, sales. Ugh, I don't like sales. But before you tune us out, you have to listen to the wisdom our special guest brings to this podcast. It will be well worth it. Dennis brings a wealth of knowledge gained through the last 35 years in the sales industry. He integrates his old school proven sales practices with new age methodology, leveraging technology to enable sales professionals to predictably scale their pipeline, win more deals, and enable client success. He has prospected successfully for the last 15 years as an executive connecting to the C-suite for various elements on five continents and coached over 1,000 reps in his own call center during the 10 years of ownership. He now specializes and focuses on coaching and training senior account executives or SDR, BDRs who are mandated to reach the same targets he is. You're going to have to tell me what SDR and BDRs are when we get started. (laughs) So as a former elite master athlete in cycling and a racket professional earlier in his life, he brings his mindset of preparation and training to help sales teams operate with the mentality of elite athletes. His focus is on helping sales professionals develop consistency, courage, confidence, and narratives to prospect effectively and reach their targets. Just like sports, achieving excellence is the non-negotiable standard for Denis. And he knows that a caring coach or mentor can make the difference in reaching the highest level of the sales profession. He's married and coaches in English, French, and Spanish. Let's all please welcome to Charged Up Studio, all the way from Montreal, Canada, Mr. Denis Champagne with Lotus Communications. Thank you. Welcome, Denis. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. No, definitely, definitely. Okay, so first of all, what are SDRs and BDRs? Uh, it's an acronym uh, simply to say sales development representative or business development representatives. And they're just kind of statements to say, you know, sales reps, people don't like that. But SDR seems to be kind of a fashion word, an acronym to in the sales world. Some call it business dev because they're afraid of using the word sales. Others have no problems or qualms with sales development rep. Well, I tell you what. I've been in this industry for over 40 years, and I learn something new every single day. <laughs> so that's what I love about, you know, when I'm talking to other professionals out there and everything. Um, I, you know, until about maybe three years ago, I didn't know what a side hustle was. 
<laughs> so yeah, you, you kind of learn something new every day. So before we get started, delving deep into the prospecting, prospecting process, let's talk a little bit about what the phrase top of funnel means. Can okay. you talk about that a little bit? Sure. Well, essentially, when you embark on a business, you have a commercial component to a business. And that is the part where you want to acquire customers or clusters, if you want to call it that way. There you go. And you want to um, develop a process of acquiring those and people for their own reasons will not buy right away every time you call someone or you reach out to someone. There's going to be various levels of interest and awareness. So a funnel, if you graphically look at it at the top, you have a lot more of those kinds of prospects or suspects or potential clients that are at different levels of interest. So you accumulate a lot more at the top of the funnel. A funnel is filters down. And as you come through the progression of a deal or of a conversation or relations process, uh, you're going to have less people buying right away. Some will wait later. Some will wait in a year. They want to know about you, but they're not ready to buy. They say no, but no, not now, not no forever. So top of funnel is where you, it's incumbent upon any business to really be smart about approaching the right kinds of prospects that are highly likely to want to buy from you now or later. So top of funnel is the top where there's a lot more. And as you filter down through the progression, there's less of them that buy right now. Okay. Yes. Um, you know, and, and when we talk about the prospecting process, um, when we talk about top of funnel, there could be three or four levels at the very top of the funnel, right? I yeah. Mean, well, like you said, different buying positions. Correct. You know, the, you kind of you want to think about it in such a way that they're out there. There are prospects that would buy from you. You don't know they exist yet. So some of them are unaware of you what your job is to make them aware of you. So that's the first level. Oh, you're aware that you exist. Then they get curious about you. They want to know more about you. Then once they're curious, you help them to become interested in what you're offering that they want or need. And then from the interest, there is a potential of a, an engagement, a connection, and the progression throughout the whole deal if they end up at the end becoming a, a happy client of yours. Okay, so speaking of this, and we'll get into the, the progress, the progression as we get farther into our talk, but let's talk about the, the, the role that the salesperson has in respect to the marketing person, okay? The relationship between marketing and sales? Marketing and sales, because they, they are very independent, interdependent upon each other. You know, um, when you well, when you lot, think about of, it, yeah, there's a lot of um, diverging opinions about that. I know. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a very controversial area because marketing, for me, marketing is the all of the suite of activities to reach out and speak to groups of potential buyers. Salespeople speak to individual buyers. 
So I haven't heard it put that way. That's pretty good. Yeah, a group of a group of a community, a segment, uh, uh, a grouping uh, of potential, potentially awareing aware sensitive buyers, or companies or profiles or customers. Whereas salespeople, their job is to connect with individual or a group of individuals within an organization with varying buyer personas. So they're talking to individual or small groups. You know, the way I've always um, referred or, or, or talked about it, explained it was, you know, the marketing is what begins the awareness process. You know, as far as with marketing materials and, and as you said, they their focus is on a segment, a group of people by pushing out or pulling in uh, interest one way or another. And that opens the door a little bit so that the sales pe- people or your sales representatives have a better chance of making those connections. Right. Sure. Yeah, of course. Okay. Okay. I know that there's always been a, a, a lot of controversy as far as that's concerned. You know, I look at the salespeople are, I mean, the marketing people are the people that um, reach out to the market or, or, or you know, uh, connect with the target market from the inside out. Okay. Whereas the salespeople are your boots on the ground. They're your people who are face to face with the actual target market. So okay. that's another way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you talked about, um, and and this will probably get into the other question that I have. You talked about the sales pipeline. All right. When we were talking earlier, and then you also mentioned that about continuous prospecting and why is it important to always be selling? Well, always be selling or always be prospecting, always be seeking, always be searching, always be connecting, always be caring. Sales, sales, the sales profession in 2021, and it always has been. I mean, I go back to my very earliest days uh, being educated by none other than Zig Ziglar, who really spoke about the integrity of an individual and the service that he offers and the benefits he brings to the table is to serve your client's problems and to find a solution that makes them happy and an outcome that they win. And if you seek to always serve the interest of your customer or your client, and you are there to help them achieve a better outcome, at the end of the day, a better outcome. And that can be qualified in many different ways. But if you serve, you will get what you need, which will be the outcome will bring you the income, if you want right. to put it. Right. And we've had this conversation before about the sales process or the prospecting pro- process. And, you know, the fact that there are those sales representatives that it's all about the sale and they go straight in, in your face selling, as opposed to the relationship type uh, of selling. You know, I'm more the relationship type, but there are sales uh, training courses out there that that really get into that hard nosed, very much in your face selling. Okay, Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Well, 
I don't believe in that. Um, it, it, those are all paradigms from the 70s, 80s, 90s, even 2000. Mm -hmm. Today, prospects and clients and potential buyers have access to information. They know more what they want than before. Uh, so when they are ready, they're usually about 70% ready along the road of purchasing. Now they want to find out with whom or with what, what company, which company they want to buy from, which corresponds to their own and satisfies their needs. And the needs are differing and they're varied. So it's not just the price. There's the perceived value. There's the long-term benefit. There's the image of you know, driving a certain car or wearing a certain kind of jean or uh, using a certain kind of phone or uh, being served with their CRM with a certain company, uh, a bigger name, a better name than a smaller name that's not known. So people are motivated by many reasons to buy. So you can't just kind of slam, bam, thank you, ma'am kind of approach. It does not work. It probably worked for a while in the past. Today, people are much more educated if it's B2B that you're working with or B2C. Of course, we have to qualify that. But that paradigm, that approach does not work. People can tell when you're really interested and you care for their success and you take the time to say, well, let's be careful about this. I think that you got to think it's like going to a store and mm -hmm. you walk in to a clothing store for men or women and they, they greet you to say, nice to meet you. Take the time you need. I'm here. More often than not, when you have that kind of approach, and they walk away, and they let you breathe, right. you're more right. likely to go back to them when you're ready and say, well, I like this dress here. And she said, okay, let's try it out. And so may I ask for what event? And they start asking, they're interested in your happiness. Right, right. They want you to leave that store happy, really right. like excited about having to wear that dress, right? Because you thought of them, you didn't go for the most expensive $4,000 dress because it may not be in their interest. That's what we call integrity. That's number one in my books. Definitely. Integrity is something yeah. that you provide with or without people watching or hearing you. You do it and in the dark, do it one-on-one. -on -one. You are you have integrity, come what may, that does not change. Right. Uh, that's part of the giving. Right. And, and, and in other words, what you're saying is what might have been prospecting many years ago where you had to do an education process. You had to teach, you know, your prospects about what you do. They've already done their research. A lot of times. Yeah. You know, so a lot of that is done. So now it's a matter. Your focus has to be on helping them make decisions on who they're going to go with for what they want. Yeah, sometimes they have a problem. They have a hunch of a problem. If we look at B2B, for instance, but the problem can also be a worry. Problem can also be a concern. Problem can be a number of, of areas. Uh, and so it's hard to, you know, problem means something that doesn't make you relax. You have this at top of mind. You're in some cases, the adage, you can't sleep at night because of it, you know, kind of thing. It's an old statement, right. but Mm -hmm. it's to, to kind of illustrate uh, the feeling there's right. an 
you're, you're, you're not, you're ill at ease with it. it. It's not resolved and it's still lingering on your shoulder and you know, you have to deal with it. Yes. Yeah. Caring salesperson, professional asks the right questions, diagnoses with you and right. find, let's agree that this is the issue. Are we in agreement? Both of you, the client and yourself both have mutually acknowledged. This is the issue. That's a problem. And he or she or they say, yes. Then from that point, we now can start looking at solutions. But until you're clear, crystal clear on the problem, there's not a whole lot you can do. You're just talking, talking to talk. Once you have that clear, now you're working to let's look at the potential different solutions that we can look at together. Okay. Okay. So uh, where do you start? on improving your prospecting journey? The problem I found is targeting. Nine times out of 10, I work with clients and I I just started with the owner of a company, a CEO, he wants to learn to prospect better as a consultant. And I said, are you crystal clear on the problems you solve? Are you crystal clear on the problems your clients have? How well do you know their problems? Had you been inside the intestines and the guts of the problem with the client, can they sit down with you and say, hey, you understand us? So it's about understanding the problems of your prospects. So if you're clear on that and you know with great confidence that what you are bringing to the table for solutions will definitely help them and they will be happier because of it. You're starting from a good point. Then you have to decide, okay, let's look at the profiles. Are they companies of a certain stature, of a certain culture, of a psychographic, what they call a technographic? Are they advanced technically? Are they very, very startup with zero tools? They have not even a website. Some have a website. Some have a CRM, some have no CRM. CRM means a customer relationship management or a system of record to keep up to date and populate all of the activities with each client and what you've done, what you've said, all that stuff. So do you have a history with your clients? So it depends where you're at. And so prospecting is about getting ready to make the initial call or email. You must know clearly who you're going after and the profile of even the individual within that company. Is it the chief financial officer? Is it the vice president of operations? Is it the VP of sales? Is it the CEO himself? Once you're very clear on the persona, the problems you solve, the kinds of companies that are really, really, really matching what you offer, give you an example, you can't sell a, an ERP, an enterprise resource planner of a half a million dollars or $2 million to a company who doesn't barely make 20,000 of sales a month. Exactly. They're, exactly. they're not a match. So you got to find the match and it takes exercise. It requires research. It requires thought, thinking through it, analyzing it, pop, you know, writing it down, planning And eventually you have a very clear idea of who are your targets. From that point onwards, 
then you can start executing. And executing is another suite right. of skills and approaches and methods. Right. And you're not going to find out that information as to whether they're a match unless you sit down and develop that relationship and ask questions and listen to what's being said. Correct? Absolutely. But also, before you even lift up the phone to speak with them, let me put uh, throw a new twist on it. Say, what if you knew things that they didn't know that you knew about them that you could call them up and tell them about? That's interesting. So that's what I say with the reps that I coach or some of them that I have coached is I want you to put down on a piece of paper all the problems you know about that kind of industry. I want you to become an expert and freely flowing from your mouth easily, spontaneously with freedom and confidence problems that they have. So when you speak to them, they go, hey, my goodness, this guy seems as though he's been in my industry. Yeah. So you, confident. So you wouldn't necessarily go in there and just say, okay, I know you have this problem, you have this problem. What you're doing is you're developing that dialogue and you're bringing it up as though it's something that you have overcome or something Probably. like that. Yeah, Probably. that, that kind of puts them at ease. Yes, or that you, you're, you are aware. It exactly. says some of our clients have this problem, this problem. Exactly. And sometimes they have had this problem. Any of these resonate with you at all, Mrs. Prospect? Yeah, exactly. You, that is, that's areas that are really, because they seem to be issues with our clients. Now, right. preemptive to that, you already know that they are close to being the same profile of clients that are more likely to have that kind of problem. But you don't want to tell them you want to ask them. You want to engage in a conversation, not in a sale. You want to dialogue with the person honestly and carefully so that they sense that you're really interested in helping them. And it's tone of voice, the way you approach them, the way you write emails. All of them are indicative that you are approaching them to seek to understand them. But you already know a lot of stuff already. But they don't know that. <laughs> They will know eventually. They right? will know. So and they will become more confident with you. So, can you um, tell our listeners a little bit about how they can find that kind of information out? Do they find out information about a prospect through through the competition or what? Well, once they have a, cl- a clarified for themselves, who are they serving? They know these are the kinds of clients that usually buy then go out and Google it. We have the most amazing access to the world's knowledge is that we don't research enough. We are too much into the action, doing, exactly. doing, doing. Yep. We don't take the time to prepare. You know, a sprinter on a track for a hundred meter, he's been preparing for eight years, 10 years. Right. For that 10 second gold medal. Yeah. No, so, Definitely. You gotta prepare. Proper preparation prevents poor performance. Pre-prepare. Do your your due diligence. Okay. Okay. So, how come does prospecting uh, is prospecting often viewed um, as a negative component in the sales process? Can you repeat the question, please? Sorry. How come prospecting 
is viewed as a negative component in the sales progression process? Well, that goes back to our, I guess, our personal insecurities. People are afraid to initiate, to connect with. So obviously they're not at ease by calling someone out of the blue that they don't know. So there's a component they don't know how. Mm-hmm. Two, they don't know who they are. They don't have a sense of self or confidence because maybe what they're offering, they haven't studied enough <laughs> what they do for others. I always ask clients or prospects, Lena, uh, what do you do? And then I ask them, what do you do for customers? And usually there are often two answers. Right. Unless you're clear on your answer, you're clear that you are looking forward. Once you have all the information and all the knowledge and the the assurance that what you will offer someone really will help them. Now, Mm. they may not be ready for that. That's okay. I didn't call every single person I I reached out in my life and everybody was willing to buy right away. Mm Mm-hmm. Maybe I wouldn't be working now if that was the case. I would have enough to live, not to have to work anymore. Mm -hmm. So the uncertainty, the timing, it's a bad time. You know, we're going through this, we're going through that. So, but unless you're clear on what you offer and you're motivated, some people are very natural at getting on the phone or reaching out by writing an email or speaking on a camera. Not everybody is confident right away that doesn't mean they cannot develop the confidence but often they need more information they need more clarity they need support they need Mm -hmm. support companies have to support them right them how to do things if they don't let them hire a coach to teach them how to do things Uh, you can't be an expert in everything when you start a business you are great at one thing more often than not maybe two if you're lucky the rest, you got to hire, hire it out. So right. prospecting is a very personal, stressful thing for a lot of people of connecting with new. But that comes from practice. That comes from wanting to. That comes from knowing that you can help them. My ex-wife worked for my company, and she didn't know what I taught her exactly why we're calling them. She was more confident. Yeah. It's, so she it's called. yeah, it's it's understanding exactly what it is, what's your passion, you know, that passion needs to come out that belief in what you're selling, you know, is important to convince these prospects, you know, once you know who they are, what they're what they're, um, what the problems are so that, you know, and the solutions that you can provide, you know, Correct. that all comes out. Exactly. So what? What do I need to know about B2B or business-to-business prospecting? That's a very broad stroke question. Clarify that question a little bit. Um, you know, there's definitely a difference between B2B and B2C, yes. um, which is business-to-consumer. Business-to-consumer is more emotional, okay, I think. B2B is not necessarily emotional. It's more 
on the um, uh, digging deep to find out, like you said, the the problems that they are facing. Yeah. You know, um, so value so driven is really from what is an operative word for me. If it's driven by value, it's led by a valuable point that you raise when you call them. Like, for instance, I noticed that you have six people t- treating your accounts payable. How's that working for you? Right. He says, what if you could displace three of those FTEs or full-time employees into being on the receivable side or on the sales side and only have three people dealing with all the accounts that you have to pay? How would that differently represent in your bottom line and your efficiency to clients or to suppliers? That's a, a, a question. So mm-hmm. um, B2B is also often with a group of people to decide. It's not one particular party. Ideally, it's better to speak with C-suite who have usually the strategic concerns. The, they have the understanding of what are priorities for the board of directors, for the shareholders, for the CEO who drives that train, that, that boat, for the, uh, for the vessel, and that the various C-suite members you know, are actually executing or ensuring that the execution of the various pillars of activities that they prioritize that year. Right. Because you can cost a company and if they say cost cutting on the uh, HR side, no matter how many good candidates you have in the sales team, if they say we're not hiring this year, we decided to cut our costs on that. You have to talk to them next year. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. they decide on things and that's their plan for the year. And whatever their plans are, if you match what they plan to spend on then it's a good time to call. So B2B involves different people, different personas who have an influence directly or indirectly on the purchase. There probably is one person who is the, because a lot of people are really qualified to say no, but there's only one or maybe two that can say yes. Yes. And and so you, yeah, you want to get before that decision maker, you know, but if you're dealing with a problem that is more at a user level, Okay, rather than a C level. Correct. Right. How do you approach that C level in the decision process when you're talking about an issue that's at the user awesome. level that they may not be aware of? Good, very good point. Well, you it doesn't never hurts to call to the top, first yeah. of all. Right. And make them aware from unaware to aware that you exist and that you have expertise. And uh, the issue was probably the case. And they may say, well, you know what? I don't know. You're right. Call this particular person and check out with that particular person who's the director or the senior supervisor or the assistant manager or whatever title they've attributed to that person about that particular problem. They're more likely to know more about that stuff than I, because I don't, at my level, I don't. And then I say, Mm -hmm. fine, that's great. May, may, uh, Will you allow me to get back to you to keep you in, keep you abreast of my discovery with this person? And would you kindly write an email, say, this person will call you. So I want him to favor or her to favor the transition and the passing of the baton to a conversation with them of value. When I call that person, it's just a natural next step. It's a relationship. Now you're socializing a consensus in the organization. You're starting to establish yourself as a person of character, of caring, 
of knowledge, of service, and you are in an exploratory phase to ensure that whatever you offer matches the problem they have and you dig right. in. And then they say, well, talk to my supervisor. And then you go, may I have the permission to go down? Exactly. Be sure your C-suite is aware of it all right. the time. Right, because you want that driven from the top down, from that decision maker. And you want to keep them in the loop so that, you know, when a decision has to be made, he's totally informed on that. Correct. Uh, but it is it is um, imperative that you begin with a decision maker. Because that's you're, why you're... That's why prospecting often exactly because people lack the confidence to talk to C-suite. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And getting through that gatekeeper is sometimes more difficult than anything. So you got to figure out. <laughs> I love the gatekeepers. I love them. You can always find a way to get around those gatekeepers. If you're honest, if you're caring, if you're easygoing, if you're lovable as a person, you, you, your voice. I mean, we can talk a lot about this. Yep. Yep. That's what I do with coaches. I coach reps yeah. and all those particular uh, micro skills in your prospecting process. But mm -hmm. I rarely have a problem with gatekeepers because I'm real. I'm not trying to be anybody else than myself. Right. And people can tell. Well, I find that I'm able to get, get through those gatekeepers because I put myself in a position or a place where they are so I can start developing that relationship first you know, and, yeah. and make it much easier. They know who I am rather than coming in cold calling, you know, because they're busy, they're busy individuals. So, you know, so do you have any last tips for our listeners you want to delve out here? Well, if you're a startup, if you're a company that's building, beginning your business, you're going to have to learn to sell. Yep. And you got to be happy about it. And you have to look forward to serving your clients and learn to learn yep. the skills and the knowledge required to acquire clients and keep them. Learn exactly. Learn to learn. Yeah. No, that customer, that customer experience process, that journey that you build into your company is extremely important because that takes that prospect through the process of conversion and then, you know, and then becoming a customer. And that's what you want to do. Yeah. The processing, the prospecting is the very beginning process of it, but the goal, the ultimate goal is to turn them into advocates on the back end so that they can become your salespeople because who better to have selling your product or service than somebody who has been serviced or bought your product. And can sell it to, you know, with testimonials and stuff like that. So, so my, my, uh, statement, my last statement would be, if you want to close deals, yeah, become an expert in opening conversations. Yeah. Yeah. So how can people get, a, the listeners get a hold of you should they want to reach out to you? Uh, well, you can go on LinkedIn. Uh, my name is Denis Champagne, D-E-N-I-S dot Champagne, like the wine. And if they do that, they'll find me on LinkedIn. I uh, Obviously, you probably have on your on your thread of this, of this particular interview. Yeah, we'll put it in there. My LinkedIn profile and my company, Lotus Communications. Yeah. 
And I'd be more than happy to have a conversation with people who want to improve their funnel and improve the clients that they want to acquire. Okay. Well, I, w- I am happy to say that Denis will be holding a live webinar on October 26th entitled Jump Starting the Customer Acquisition Process. To register for this free webinar, simply go to marketatomy.academy forward slash featured dash events. And I will be putting that into our stream, uh, into the transcript of this podcast. So that concludes our podcast for today. Please leave a review on any of the streaming platforms you are listening to us on or go to our Charged Up Studio Facebook page and leave a review there. Charged Up Studio is a product of Marketatomy Academy, the e-learning system designed specifically with the micro business owner in mind. For more information and to register for our many courses, go to marketatomy.academy. That concludes our podcast for this Double Up Tuesday. We will be presenting another doubleheader next week. Our first guest at 9 a.m. Eastern Time will be Mr. Dan Goodman with CYA Consulting. And that's Cover Your Assets for anybody who wants to know. Um, He will be taking a page out of CSI by talking about investigative research and how to protect your business. Talk to you then and go out and have a charged up week. Thank you, Denis. Thank you very much, Dana. I really appreciate it. And you can always reach us at info at chargedupstudio.com. You can follow us on LinkedIn, on Instagram, on Facebook, on YouTube, and contribute to our platform on Patreon. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.